it's safe to be angry. Like it's mm. the world is shit sometimes and it's oh, yeah. okay to be angry at it. And it's absolutely, it's, it's in, it's, there's injustices and, yeah. and, and terrible things happening. And if we, we wouldn't be human if we weren't feeling the anger about it. And, yeah. and so that's, I think that's kind of a new, new chapter for me is, is learning, you know, I can, I can, you know, through acting classes and stuff like that, like I learned to release my anger and my crazy and this and that and vulnerability and all of that stuff. And that's fine. But on a regular basis, I am just uncomfortable with anger. Mm. So I'm, I'm looking at that more sort of as a study now for me as a person, like, oh, I can be angry and, oh, you still love me. Hi, I'm Julie. And I'm Liz. We are business owners turned podcasters. This show gives you the permission and tools to create your courageous second act. We call this the Afterglow. Welcome to the Afterglow. We are going to be speaking with Kate Drummond today. We're so excited to have you, Kate. Kate is an award-winning actor whose diverse work experience includes film, television, voiceover, stage, and video games. She's also been recently nominated for a Canadian Screen Award. Her screen credits include the series Winona Earp and the award-winning film Nowhere to be Found, Secrets in a Small Town. And she co-wrote and co-directed the feature film Go Fish. Currently, Kate can be seen starring in the new hit sci-fi series Utopia Falls. Outside of acting, Kate's other passions lies in her philanthropy work where she supports causes very close to her heart. As a former elementary school teacher who became an actor later in life, Kate is an advocate for people following their dreams no matter where they are in life. In May 2014, Kate was the keynote speaker at TEDx in Oshawa, where she told her inspiring story of chasing her dreams and beginning again. Welcome, Kate. We're so thrilled to have you. (laughs) Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So let's just jump in. You have a tweet pinned to the top of your Twitter page, um, a very inspiring tweet that says, before you quit, do just one more thing to improve yourself in whatever it is you plan on quitting. And then see, resistance and the urge to quit is strongest right before the moment of breakthrough. It's hard to hold on, but just give yourself one more chance. (laughs) What do you have to say about that? It's so funny hearing you read my words. I got emotional. (laughs) I guess I needed to hear that. Um, yeah, I've just, I've just discovered that through my own journey through, um, breaking the mold and sort of being the traveling the road, you know, that is less popular and, and such. I, I've had so many moments of questioning, why am I doing this? just, just go back, just forget about it. Just go back to where you were, go back to what's comfortable, go back to what, you know, this is too hard, too scary, too unknown, um, too lonely. And, um, and for some reason, my stubbornness, maybe my competitive athlete in me that says, no, push through, push through. I would just hold on. And every time I hold on, right? There is just always something right around the corner that reveals itself to me, whether it's as simple as meeting somebody through an experience that I wouldn't have had, had I quit. Um, and, and having some sort of 
powerful conversation or connection with this person. And, and it's not necessarily career. It's, it's, it's just humanity. It's just these experiences and humanity that I have discovered and reflected on that have always presented themselves just on the other side of giving up. Mm. I you love know? that. It's so beautiful. It's, you have a very um, unique story and I think it's really inspiring for our listeners to hear. Can you tell us how you made the transition from school teacher in Ottawa to actress, successful actress in Toronto? Sure. Um, wow. I have this, met, this is such a timely podcast, I think, because I, my stomach is just flittering and um, like my it. heart, yeah, my heart is, um, is very full. So um yeah, it must be very timely to to bring all this up and reflect on the journey. Um, so I was uh, I was a school teacher, a very passionate, uh, dedicated school teacher for twelve years, and um, you know I was in Ottawa and life was life was going as it should. Uh, I was married. I had a house and a mortgage and a cottage and car. Like it was sort of like all the checklist of basically everything that I thought. I was supposed to have or want in order to be happy in my life or to be considered a successful woman. But around the age of 30, I started feeling just this real um, sense of missing. I was, I was missing something that I didn't quite understand. It was just a longing for something. And, um, you know, I, I had always been a really creative kid. Um, really sort of expressive and loud and, and it kind of got shut down through my childhood. I, I moved schools a lot and, um, was always sort of trying to fit in and I was always the new kid. And then when you're that kid and you get criticized or judged or bullied, you, you shut down. And so I, I shut down that part of me, which I've since realized is my, is my essence. Mm -hmm. I shut down my essence because I just wanted to fit in so badly and, and find a place to belong. And so it's almost like everything bubbled to the top around the age of 30. I, um, you know, the marriage wasn't going well and I was, you know, lying in bed at night, just sort of feeling, un I was feeling guilty because I, you know, there was no reason to be unhappy. <laughs> I had a great person in my life. Like my partner that I was married to was a wonderful man. He still is a wonderful man. Um, and, um, I remember it clearly. It was in a, I was sitting in a parking lot at a grocery store in Ottawa after it had closed and it was pouring rain. And I was like begging for an answer. Like what, why, why is this so hard? Why is it so hard? And, um, the answer that came to me was, uh, you need to get into an acting class. So how did that answer come? It was literally like, it was it was just dropped in. I think it was probably the first time I had stopped forcing or pushing for something. And I just was so surrendered that I didn't even know, you know, what to do. So, um, I took an acting class. I put myself in an acting class a few days later, there happened to be like an adult film and television acting class. And, um, I was elated 
I, I was home. I, I was terrified and out of sorts and I didn't, my voice was two octaves higher when I started acting. You know, I, I wasn't grounded. I was scared. I was like, Oh, I have to be, I can't, I have to be a certain, I have to look a certain way. And Oh, I, I, I can't possibly be an actress because you know, I don't, I haven't trained and all of this apology. Um, for wanting something later on in life that seemed, you know, where everyone else in my class was 18 and 19 years old. Um, and it was fun because I got to bring my students along with me on the journey. And so sometimes I'd sneak out at lunch and I'd go to an audition and I'd come back and, and you know, for an industrial video in Ottawa, like a government thing or something, you know, but it was a big deal. And I'd come back and the kids would surround me and they're like, Miss Drummond, did you win? Did you win it? And like, boys and girls, I got very nervous and I forgot my lines and, oh, that's okay. You'll, you'll get the next one. And then they would hug me and I'd get pictures on my desk of like with a first prize ribbon. And like, they were just the best, best support network for me. Un, un, unknowingly, unknowingly. Mm-hmm. Um, so about five years after I started acting, I was 35 at the time and I had started to take it way more seriously. Like I was really I was really diving into self. I was diving into the craft. I was diving into this, this newfound sort of authenticity uh, in my life. And, and, you know, my marriage had ended at this point. Um, and you know, he went on to happily marry. And, and I said to him, I said, it's not your fault. It's you married someone who didn't know who she was. Mm. So it's not, it's not you. It's not you. It was me. I, I needed to, go through this to push me to this place of authenticity. You know, you have to, it's like we, we have all these regrets of like, Oh, I wish I hadn't have done that. Or I hadn't made that decision. I hadn't, you know, and, and then, but often it's those really, really uncomfortable tension places that cause us to make our biggest decisions and breakthroughs. I think personally for me, um, I have to go to the place of like, Whoa, this is so uncomfortable in order to push me. Right. So I was teaching my kids in, uh, and we were studying Martin Luther King Jr.'s I have a dream speech and we were making posters and, you know, boys and girls, just because this is all, you know, this life here in Ottawa does not mean that this is all there is for you. Let's dream. Let's get wild. Let's get crazy. And we started making posters and things like that. And, uh, anyways, one of my little ones came up to me and asked me what my dream was. And I said that besides teaching her, uh, my dream was to be an actress. And she just looked me straight into my face and said, well, then why aren't you doing it? And I was just like, I was frozen (laughs) in time. Um, And I thought, okay, this, this is, I can't teach these kids this lesson, first of all if I'm not going to stand behind my words. And I was ready. I was ready for a, I was ready to, to try something. I was ready to take a break from the classroom and, and really follow through on, on my, on my truth. So what you've done is not the easy road, <laughs> you know, it's, it's an incredibly challenging and it takes a lot of courage. Right. And so that moment, you know, we just read um, Glennon Doyle's Untamed and she talks about having this knowing, which is really this intuition or this, you know, w- inner wisdom about your truth. And so that moment of being outside of the grocery store and having that drop into you, 
it's so easy to just ignore it or squash that down or just make it go away in some way. Right. What you did is you, you didn't do that. You almost like defended it. You know, you said, I, this is, this is it. (laughs) This is, I'm going to listen to this. And so how did you do that? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. Um, (laughs) I had a, I had a lot of naysayers as well saying, are you crazy? Mm -hmm. That first year was, it was hard to leave the classroom for the year, but I always knew I could go back Mm -hmm. and I had my house there and I rented it out. So I always knew I could go back to my home. Um, But three years later, when I got the letter from the board saying, you know, either come back or resign, um, that was the, that was the hardest. Oh gosh. I get emotional thinking. Yeah. Blanket there. Yeah. It it, it was, there was no more playing it safe. It was okay. How badly do you love this? Yeah. Are you willing to give up something else that you love? Cause you are giving it up now. You are, you are walking away from one thing you love in the pursuit of something that else that you love. And one is a, one is a sure thing. And one love is a little more reckless and volatile. Mm-hmm. Oh, I remember crying, crying, crying so much. And my parents saying, if, if you're this upset about it, maybe it's not the right decision. Mm-hmm. Maybe mm-hmm. you should go back to the classroom. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to be 65 without a pension and, you know, I don't think anyone thought I was going to be successful as an actress. I think my, I, myself, like I'm talking self with a capital S knew it, knew I would the, the earthly Kate who was scared and, and moving to a new city and had no friends and no social network or support or, and knew I knew nothing. That person did not believe it was going to happen. But something bigger than me was pushing, kept pushing me forward. You know, I know Julie's got lots of questions. I, I just want to say this one thing that's just come to me right now as you're speaking, because I have three daughters and I've given them t-shirts and notebooks that say, chase your dreams. And there's ponies and unicorns on it. And really, <laughs> I realize I'm selling them a da- like, um, this is a disservice because chasing your dreams is not full of ponies and unicorns. I mean, yes, it is, but there's also demons and monsters along the way, right? There's fear and darkness and all of that. And it's almost like, it's just making me question my own parenting and the way that our dreams are sold to us today. It's not all unicorns and rainbows. It's, it's a difficult, challenging road. It's so that's, you're such a wonderful parent to pick up on, on that kind of stuff. It just happened right now. No, but just to even be the awareness of it. And you're right. It is, it is, um, you know, anytime I've spoken to classes or students or, you know, guest speaker or whatever, I'm, I'm always saying it's not easy, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean it's wrong. Something doesn't have to feel great all the time in order for it to be right. Mm. I, I think I love the fact that my students, you know, especially the first five or six years that I had left the classroom, they were still in elementary school and high school and were following me on social media. And I was getting emails and, you know, it was just 
they could follow my journey. And I've tried to be really authentic online and share like the ups and downs and the, you know, the struggles that I have as a, as a woman in this industry. And, um, I love that they can still access me and access the lesson that I'm trying to teach them while I'm learning it myself. Mm-hmm. I love your authenticity. You are genuine. You're always authentic. This is what I've come to know of you. In your TEDx talk back in 2014, you got choked up when you were talking about how you tried to fit into a box, like into a mold that sort of others expected of you. You said that you spent your life hiding the things about you that were ugly. This is so interesting to me. I, you know, I want to know what were those things that you considered ugly or that you thought other people would consider ugly? It's a, it's a great question. I get choked up again. Um, I, I grew up, um, always looking outside of myself for the answer of how I should be. So as something as simple as, Oh, that person's wearing that kind of shirt. Oh, I should wear that kind of shirt. Oh, that person likes to decorate their thing like this. I I should decorate my thing like this. Like my, I was a, I was an emotional chameleon growing up. I, I, I navigated because of, you know, I had a, a lot of sort of upheaval in my life as a child. Um, I, I learned to sort of slip into little spots where I would cause the least amount of waves. And so what I thought was ugly growing up was my sensitivity. Um, the fact that I would cry for kids on the schoolyard when they got bullied, <laughs> like I would burst into tears because I, I would, I would feel, I would feel their pain. I would, I would feel so sad for them. I would cry for the people on the street. I would cry for the, you know, I just, I, I would feel everything and no one else seemed to feel it with me. And so I always felt like that was something to be really embarrassed about. So, you know, in high school was high school was really difficult for me because, um, I didn't get, I didn't understand what everyone else seemed to understand or get to fit into this cool crowd. And so I never really was in that crowd. Um, and so, you know, like I, I was really badly bullied in high school, you know, crank phone calls at night, people ringing a cowbell in the phone receiver, um, and hearing all these people laughing. And, and I mean, that impacted me so deeply. And I thought, well, why, why me? Oh, it must be that I am ugly. It must mean that I, because I don't party or I'm not allowed to party, that that's ugly. It must be because I was really, you know, I got um, really nervous during something, a presentation or something that's ugly. And I started to attach labels to the things that made me not fit in, which I thought made me not fit in. I mean, hindsight, right? You know, if you could do it again, um, what would you change? But I, um, and, and, and sadness, you know, um, this immense amount of feeling that I have always had from the time I was a little girl, um, this empathy for, for, for others, this compassion for others would often look like me being a sad child. 
And so who wants to hang out with the sad kid? What would you say to that girl now? Oh, younger self. <laughs> I would say um, your sadness and your, your heart is your art. Mm-hmm. That your feelings are your gold. And they're really the only true way that people can access you and your spirit is through your open heart. So feel on. (laughs) I don't know. That's beautiful. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) It's so weird to look back. Yeah. And that you talk about, you know, your, your feelings of like, you must be ugly or, you know, awkwardness and insecurities. I mean, you are stunningly beautiful, both, (laughs) both inside and out. And, you know, you're, you're radiant and you're glowing in your photos. Um, but then your, your inner joy and your, your sense of, like you said, sensitivity, like you it shines through in who you are. And so I'm curious about how the external beauty, right. Has, has served you or hindered you in your life, in your career. I've, I've never really looked at myself as an externally physically beautiful woman. And so when someone says that to me, I'm always a bit sort of like, Oh, okay. Everyone's got their opinion. (laughs) You know, um, um, uh, I've always been very, um, body self, body conscious, body self-conscious. I think years of being an athlete as well. And, and, you know, having performance be based on, your physical strength and, and competing and stuff like that, I think kind of messes with your brain. And I think if you've never been taught what healthy body image is from a young age, you, you, the only place you learn it is from the media, um, from what's happening around you to the girl in high school who gets the most attention. Oh, Oh, I'm supposed to be like that because she has the, you know, the most, most people are paying attention to her. And so you start to write your rule book, like get your little notebook and, oh, okay, that works. And, oh, look at that. That works. That works. That works. And I, I never really had a, a role model to sit me down and say, okay, this is the deal. So carrying that into this business, um, like how is my, my, my beauty hindered me or, um, helped me? I think when I started in the business, um, I think I was just so unsure of what the business was. I was still trying to figure out what it meant for me to be an artist, an actor. And I think at the beginning it was, I was so concerned about what am I going to wear to the audition? What am, how am I going to put my hair and Oh, does my makeup look okay? And I was so obsessed with how I looked going into an audition because I thought that was what was going to get me a job. Um, and it did the, the, the smaller jobs, like it got me some commercials and, and I'm grateful. I needed, I needed to follow these steps of learning what it meant to be an artist for me. Um, so I think it, it, It allowed me to scratch the surface of the business, but it didn't fulfill me because I was so busy still trying to figure out what every other actress my age had that I didn't have in order to be successful. Well, they're booking all this work and I'm not. So maybe I need to be skinny like them. 
Maybe I need to look like them. Maybe I need to be more fit, more this, more this, more this, more this. And I'm telling you, when I hit 40, everything changed for me. I realized I was probably not going to have children in my life. Um, I realized, which was a huge, what, what (laughs) I I thought that's what was I, that was my purpose. And so that hit me very hard when I turned 40 and, um, I don't know, something dropped in me. The scent, my center dropped when I hit 40. I, I was now a woman in my forties and I didn't have to pretend I was a woman in my twenties. And I just stopped. I don't know how it happened. I I stopped caring. Mm -hmm. Someone said to me, when you hit your forties, you start taking people off the fridge and I understand, and I didn't understand what that meant. And she said, you know, everyone sends you pictures of their kids and their families and everything. And you always feel obliged to put them on your fridge. She says, when you hit 40 off the fridge. So she said, only at 40, you decide who stays on your fridge. And I realized like I was still being this kid in high school, trying to figure out what everyone else knew that I didn't know, feeling like I was missing something. And I think through just my practice, my spiritual practice through my coaches that I was working with, um, through good friends, through, you know, working with, um, I'll say working with Brooke Shields, um, in, in the series of movies that I did, she was a fantastic mentor for me. Mm, Amazing. Um, and just teaching me and showing me through her example of grace that you, you just be you, you're, you're fantastic who you are. And, it doesn't matter if you're an A-lister or a Z-lister or whatever lister in this business, everyone's dealing with their own insecurities and their own issues. You know, we all have our, our stuff in our suitcase that we drag behind us, you know, and I just, and I just started to stop me. I stopped making it about how I looked and I started to find that, that gold that I, that I used to hide Cause I thought it was unattractive. I used to, I started to go here, here's a little bit of it and I would show it. And it, and then I started to get roles that were actually calling for it. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, I found my place. Amazing. I mean, that's amazing, right? Having yourself, your true self as a home base. And I think our, our regular society does so much to take us away and, you know, take us away from ourselves. And then the profession of acting has kind of another layer to that, you know, especially when it comes to aging, you mentioned your age, you're in the, your forties, like Julie and I as well. And, you know, aging is not easy for any woman, um, let alone when you're in the acting world. And so how, um, how are you managing that? You know, I'm a person first and foremost. So I think I just, you know, acting is just the job I do. So I, I, I try to approach it in my life. I just try to have a healthy sense of it in my life. And, and, you know, um, this whole quarantine, uh, time has been, has forced, you know, I think it forced a lot of us to get really real with ourselves, right? Because all the things I would go to the gym five times a week and the hair salon to color my gray and the, you know, all the things I would go, all the things I would do to fuel me and fix me and make me feel good. I, I don't have those options. So I, you know, every day I look in the mirror and it's like, Oh, there's more gray hair. Okay. Okay. And there's, you know, and okay, I'm, I'm not on the elliptical <laughs> every day like I should be. Okay. 
Um, the body's changing. Yeah, the body's changing. And it's, it's, um, I, I, I just, I just keep trying to remind myself why I'm in the business and I'm not in the business to win a beauty pageant. I'm in the business to tell stories. I want to reach people. I want to affect people. I want someone sitting at home on their couch, feeling alone to feel like they see themselves in my work, that they feel seen. Mm -hmm. And I can't do that if I'm too busy worrying about what I look like Mm -hmm. because that's not real life. And I want to tell real life stories. I want to be relatable people. I mean, I, I love my, I love when I get to play characters um, that are sort of heightened versions of myself or different kind of characters altogether. I love that too. That's part of my playground. You know, I get to be a kid and just play make-believe. It's incredible. But I also love the stories like Nowhere to Be Found, where it's just being asked to be a real person going through a, 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 a tragic situation um, that's equally fulfilling and if not more fulfilling for me because I, I get to find all those little gems that I hid and take them out and throw them into my work and it's like sparkles. That's all your authenticity coming out again, right? You're just, yeah. it's like more and more and I think that as we age, uh, we just become more of that, which is such a beautiful thing. You spoke about um, having had the perfect life and what would appear to be the perfect life and that you had a beautiful home and a garage and cars and, you know, a cottage and, and the perfect job and you were married and that, you know, you didn't want to appear ungrateful for what you had. You didn't want to feel like or question, you know, wanting more for yourself. And I think that that's kind of, I think it's a very feminine female thing to feel that way. It's kind of like our lot in life to just be grateful for what we've got and then stick with it and stay there. And so what, what could you say to women? Because you clearly, and we talked about it earlier, found it within yourself to, to accept and, and move forward knowing that you deserved and wanted more. So, so how could you help women who are sitting there knowing there's this like little niggly feeling inside of them, they need more, they want something different. How can we allow that to be okay for women? What could you say to women? It's such a tough question because I think it's not something I will say rather the support I could give and the support of things like this, what you're doing with your podcast. I think that is opening a conversation to challenge the norm. And I think what, I think it's a community thing that's going to, um, a societal movement that's going to empower women that have that niggly feeling. I mean, I'd like to be able to say, Hey, follow your, follow that feeling, go ahead. But some of the reality is a lot of these people who are having this feeling are, have kids that they're feeding and a home that they live in and, and do put, you know, it, it's a matter of this apology that we have as women for being selfish, putting ourselves first. There's an apology because we're nurturers, we're caretakers, we're, you know, obviously if you're a mother, your children are your, that is your focus. But what if it's not for a moment? 
Is there guilt attached to that? And I think that that is the conversation. I think it's the, it's the allowing our friends and our female sisterhood to say, you know, um, I, I need you to take my kids because I need a day for me. I need to empower myself. I need to take an art class. I need to do this. And us to say, yes, people like me, yes, I will take your child. We will do a date. We'll do a sister date. You need, your children need to see that you are empowering yourself and following through on your passions because that's the only way they're going to follow through on theirs when they grow up is if they've got a good role model and they see the sisterhood supporting that. So, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I would, I would say to anyone who, who is listening that is, is feeling, you know, um, I know there's an array of feelings. People will roll their eyes. People will say, yeah, but you don't have kids. It must be easy for you. And I mean, there's a lot of comments. Um, but I would say that it doesn't matter what our situation is, where we're living, who we're living with, what it is that what's attached to us wanting more for ourselves is apology. And that needs to go away. Mm -hmm. Um, we are allowed to want, we are allowed to dream. We are allowed to aspire for more. It is what makes us such powerful, powerful, uh, people, um, women, uh, it, we have the ability to create life. We, you know, we, we are not designed to sit back and apologize for dreaming. We are, we are designed to be warriors. And I think this society is changing the dialogue, I would hope. And, and I, you know, like I said, podcasts like yours, it's changing. It, it, it is helping to change the landscape for women. I mean, it does, it does take that warrior quality, right. To be on this path to say, this is what I want. This is who I truly am. This is what I want. And it's that warrior quality of like fighting and digging in a little, you know, it it is, it's fighting and digging in. Um, Yeah. And another thing too, it's, it is, it's also in, in full circle. It's also being okay with not fitting into anything because we're, we, we grow up feeling like we have to be part of something in order to matter. And, and that's, that's not necessarily true. I don't think, yes, I believe we are part of a community of a a spiritual community, a family, uh, you know, people we can rely on when we stumble and people we can help lift up when they stumble. I mean, we need that, I think as human beings, but as far as following what we desire, our true passion is so unique. It was, I I believe it was planted there from, you know, the time we were born. We we wouldn't have, if it wasn't meant for us to have, we wouldn't have it. It's, it's there for a purpose and it's just who is going to answer the call. Um, but not fitting in is, is this whole thing of fitting in and following the crowd and doing what you're supposed to. And, you know, we're, we're, I, I it's an, it's an old way of thinking. I think, mm. you know, great things do not happen from complacency. They happen from from leaps of faith and, and taking risks, um, and, and daring to fail. It's a lot of courage. It's a lot of courage, right? Like in the true sense of the word, who am I and how am I going to live a life 
aligned with that. And even though that might make me not fit in the box, yeah. you know, yeah. it's a difficult, difficult and exciting things. <laughs> so who inspires you? I'm inspired by, I, I'm inspired by people in the grocery store who pick up a piece of fruit and go to put it back down and then realize there's nothing wrong with it and put it in their cart. You know, I'm inspired by the male woman who, 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 you know, continues along her way and then makes sure she tells me that seeds are on sale at Zayers. I mean, I'm inspired by little acts of kindness and, and I'm inspired by people who are brave in their daily life to be loving and, and open. So I always get stumped because it's like, well, it, who inspires me as an actor? Well, I have, you know, my people like Maria Bello and, and, you know, Viola Davis and, you know, Susan Sarandon's and, and, and Laura Linney, like all the people that are strong female characters that are vulnerable and real. I mean, they, they inspire me as an artist. Um, but who inspires me in my life is just any, any woman, any person, um, that I read about or witness that is, is just authentically being them just themselves, no matter what the environment is. You're so, um, focused on this kindness and you have that within you as well. You are dedicated to, um, animals and other forms of charities and stuff. Do you want to speak a little bit about that? What is your connection that's so strong to animals? (laughs) I grew up with animals. I grew up with rescue dogs. Um, we always had the dog that was, you know, three times returned to the humane society. And then my dad would bring it home and like, well, you can't send him back because, you know, um, and, and we always had, like, we always grew up with the, with, with the, the notion, the, the belief system that, um, if you could help, you should, um, and no matter where you are in your life, you're always better off than somebody else. And so who, who can you help today? Um, and so that was sort of how I grew up. Um, it was never really anything that I thought was different than anyone else. Um, uh, I just thought that that's sort of what you do is you, as a person, you care for the planet and you care for animals and especially animals because they don't have anyone to speak for them, you know? Um, but I, I, um, I've become really, really um, passionate about using my platform for good um, because I don't think I would, I've been led to be an actress for um, just for getting my face on TV. I think there's a bigger, something bigger uh, that's at play. And I think I've been able to use my platform to bring awareness to causes that are, are important to me, um, sick kids, um, you know, uh, back in the day, Kids Sport Canada, when I first moved to Toronto, I was, you know, I was partnered with them through my cooking show, <laughs> my very terrible cooking show online. Um, but, uh, and, 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 and yeah, but animals for me were always safe. They were always the most non-judgmental being in my life. 
And so I always was the little girl that always had her dog beside her. And so I, I, as I grew into an adult and I had my first dog, Jackson, who passed a few years ago this May, um, he was my, he was my rock, my, from my twenties, through my marriage, through my divorce, through my career change, through city change. He was my, my master of teaching me love and how to love. Um, and I, I learned so many valuable lessons through his presence in my life. And when I lost him, I, I learned equally valuable lessons that, you know, the depth of my feelings and the depth of my, um, well of love, um, deeper than I ever thought I could ever experience pain or gratitude. Um, and I, and I've never learned lessons from people the way I've learned them from animals. So I, I just feel, I just, I don't know. I just feel like I, it's my duty to, to bring awareness to the causes. So yeah, one of them is, um, you know, I'm always sort of like, I like to not sort of attach to one charity and then just make it my thing. Cause I feel like there's a lot of charities that are doing so many great things. I love to sort of follow the news as to what's going on and what's, you know, current and who's really stepping up to, you know, um, to do, to do good. Um, and if it aligns with what I'm, where I'm feeling in my life at the time, then, you know, I'm really happy to jump on board and, and support it. And so one is, um, I love to bring awareness to the, uh, to the Playa Animal Rescue in Playa del Carmen in Mexico. They're doing fantastic work for dogs in, in Mexico. Um, and the Snoopy Project employs uh, locals in Mexico to build dog homes and shelters for families who have dogs and love them, but don't have the means to care for them mm. or give them the shelter that they need. So instead of saying, you're not worthy of a dog, they say, here are the resources you need to love and care for that dog and give that dog protection. And we're empowering you as opposed to taking something away from you. Um, and I love that. People say, well, why are you supporting so many things in another country? You know, and it's sort of like, well, I, I support things in every, everywhere because it doesn't matter where we live. Like we're all on the planet earth, you know, you, Kate, you're, you have a huge, you have this huge heart <laughs> and you're inspiring and courageous. And one of the questions we love to ask people who come on this show is what's your afterglow. And so by that, we mean, what is lighting you up? What are you excited about when you think about everything that's ahead of you over the next 40, 50 years? What's your vision? What's your afterglow for the future? <sighs> I, my afterglow is that I get to a point in my career where I can live remotely, um, in the country with scads of land. Uh, I want to have an animal sanctuary. Um, I want, uh, to have my kids book series finally up and running. I want to, um, I see it. I see like groups of school children coming to my land and, um, through animal learning about animals, um, and nature that they're getting a real sort of appreciation for the earth and our connection to everyone, uh, on the planet. Um, I'd love to incorporate art therapy in there. I mean, I have, I have big, big visions for the future that sort of mat, meld my acting and my love of animals and my teaching. Mm -hmm. um, 
So yeah, that's, that's a big, that's, that's huge on my vision board. I just see it. I see, I see stables and horses. And I mean, horses are, are magical, magical beings and, you know, helped me immensely through the, the grief uh, journey after I lost my dog, when I moved out to the ranch with my partner, um, I befriended a herd of wild horses and they taught me so much about trust and faith and healing and to, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. Um, the power of spirit mm-hmm. and, and animals have that, they have that unapologetic, unfiltered, just pure high vibration energy coming from them, you know? And so I think if there's any way that I can bring a whole bunch of them together on a great big plot of land and then bring kids in. Oh, magic. I see it. I see it. Oh. I see it too. I see it already. It sounds amazing. <laughs> you are. You're clearly a master manifester because look at where you are so far and the changes that you have. And like you said, you know, it's not like you just flicked a switch and then one day you were this successful actress. Obviously it, it takes time and there's effort and energy and pain and crying and tears and you know, starting from small decisions and and working your way up. But I believe um, with your, in your power and what you have to offer, this is going to manifest itself in some way in your future. So I look forward to being a part of that, or uh, I look forward to seeing that happen and come to fruition. I just want to say that your words and your story is so inspiring to us, and I'm sure will be so inspiring to other women out there. Do you have any final words that you would like to share with um, any of the listeners, any women out there looking to chase their dreams? <laughs> you can do it. Um, <laughs> um, to to any any women, um, any person listening who is sitting on that, that little feeling of um, a a passion they want to pursue a dream. They have something feeling unfulfilled. I just, I just really urge them, cheer them on. I want to see them dig a little bit into it and just, you don't have to see how it's all going to unfold. You just have to take the first step. And that's something I read somewhere way, way back. I don't even know who said it. I probably should, but I don't. Um, you don't have to know how you're going to get there. Just take one little, one tiny little step. And maybe that little step is just saying it out loud to a friend, mm-hmm. talking about it, you know, and I, you know, the, the world is, is changing and it's here to support people following their passions, I think, and, you know, find a community that will, that will bolster you and, um, go for it. (laughs) It's beautiful, right? That's the lesson right now. We're all, we only get one life. What are you going to do with it? We have freedom. Um, where can we find more? Where can we find out more about you? Where can we find you online? Uh, I'm super active on social media. Uh, I love connecting with people. I'm on Twitter um, at Kate Drummond underscore. And um, I am not the neurosurgeon in Australia. 
She's hilarious. I'll bypass her. <laughs> bypass. If you get to the neurosurgeon in Australia, that's not me. Um, and it's not on my radar. Um, um, so Kate, uh, Kate Drummond underscore. And on Instagram, I'm Kate underscore Drummond. Oh, so confusing. And um, I have an actor Facebook page and I have a website, www.katedrummond.com. So. Wonderful. Well, thank you for being such an inspiration to us. We look forward to seeing your afterglow. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been delightful. You're so lovely. Thank you, Kate. Amazing. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening in. Be sure to follow us on social media at the Afterglow Podcast Official and take a minute to leave us a rating or review on Apple, Spotify, and Google. Lift a sister up and share the afterglow with others who are seeking their courageous second act.